Well, hey there, Thrive Church family. I uh, hope you've had an amazing week. Hey, we just watched that video from Texas and from Foursquare Disaster Relief. And I want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity to, if you feel led to do so, uh, please take a minute and donate a few dollars to help the relief efforts happening out in Texas. Uh, a lot of Foursquare churches have been mo mobilized, uh, even as you saw in the video. And we just want to be a blessing to them as uh, they continue to recover from those winter storms. In fact, we're going to take a second right now and pray for them. Uh, by the way, that number again, if you want to uh, text to to give, you can text for relief, the number for relief to 77977. And the words are up on the screen for relief to 7797 uh, and every bit helps. Thank you for supporting that work and for, for giving so faithfully. So Father God, we pray for all of those that have been affected over this past week with the storms uh, in Texas and even across our nation, Lord. Uh, we pray for your divine hand to, to bring protection, uh, restoration, Lord. I pray that how all of the utilities, all of the, the power, all of the water is restored, Father God. And we pray for all of those who lost loved ones during the storm. We pray that your hand of comfort would just uh, be with them, that you would wrap your loving arms around them. Lord, be with all of those relief workers and those who are helping, Lord, for all of those churches and congregations that are serving in those communities. We just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are continuing today in our series, Restoring Rhythms, and we're moving into the portion of this series uh, that I introduced just a few weeks ago uh, in talking about rest and the soul's need for rest. Uh, really, this is about caring for the most important part of who you are, caring for the most important part of who you, who you are, and that is your soul. If this, your soul is the most important part of who you are. In fact, it is who you are. It is your being. It is your soul is your life center. It is, uh, it's the part of you that connects your inner life to your outer life. It's what essentially runs your life. And uh, a little while back, uh, I did a, a whole series on caring for the soul. And uh, if, if you want to search uh, Thrive Glendora, you can find those, those sermons, but unpack that a little bit more. The soul is the part of us that connects our mind, our emotions, our will, and our body. And, and, and another way to put it is this, that our soul integrates who we are, all the aspects of who we are, into a functional whole. Functional there is the key word that when one part of us is hurting or broken, it affects every other part of who we are. And so for us to function well, our souls, ourselves, need to be cared for well. The author John Ortberg and pastor John Ortberg wrote this. He says, the soul is the capacity to integrate all the parts into a single whole life. If it is something like a program that runs a computer, you don't usually notice it unless it messes up. You don't usually notice it until it messes up. And we've probably all had that experience with a computer where something crashes. Uh, in fact, even preparing for this sermon today, the software I was using to, to prepare my message crashed like three or four times on me. And I had that moment where I'm like, oh no, did I just lose all of my work? And there's that, that moment of panic. 
And, and we just want things to run well. And our soul is that part of us that we might not give it a lot of focus or attention until things don't go well. And in the midst of this Restoring Rhythm series, we've been talking about how over the course of this last year, so much of the, the norms of our life, the rhythms, the regular rhythms of our lives have been disrupted. And maybe some of what we've encountered, maybe you've encountered this in your own life, is your, your soul responding to that disruption. And, and that it can, it can really have a, a detrimental or a negative effect on our lives, that when things are thrown out of whack, that, that things in our lives, the, the, the regular routines, the things that we almost do without thinking about it, can really become disrupted and even damaged. And so we need to care for our souls. We need to pay attention to and steward our, our own souls. And healthy rhythms create space for us to notice when the system's not doing well. Healthy rhythms help create space, help create margin in our lives so that we can recognize where we might not be doing as well. See, the problem is when we, when we live and we function in a world that is just on the go, always going, 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 and never stopping, never, never taking time to take a break, we can miss the subtle cues that our lives, that our bodies, that our spirits, that, that the spirit of God would give us, and sometimes not even so subtle cues, that we need to slow down, that we need to stop, that something needs to be attended to. Uh, and so we have to take place to rest, to listen, to recharge, and even to heal. If you've ever injured uh, a part of your body, you know this, you, you don't just keep going like nothing is wrong. If you've sprained an ankle, you have to take the time to let that ankle heal before you just keep running on it or walking on it. Uh, and, and you don't want to just, you know, sit, take the rest of your life and put your foot up and say, that's it. I, I can't do anything else. No, there's a season where you rest and you heal. Our souls are the same way. When, uh, when our souls are tired, we need rest. When your soul is damaged, it needs space and time to be, to be made whole, to, to be healed. And so we need these rhythms in our lives. We need to restore these rhythms. And so I want to talk today about the soul needing rest. A, a, a little while back, I talked about the soul needing silence, how our souls need silence, but our souls also need rest. We're going to talk about the gift of Sabbath, the gift of Sabbath. See, as I alluded to already, an unrested soul is an unhealthy soul. Let me say that again. An unrested soul is an unhealthy soul. And there's, there's no way to get around that. If your soul is not rested, if your whole being, if there's no place for, for rest in your life, you are not living a healthy life. And that means physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally, every aspect of who you are. If your soul is not rested, you are not living a healthy life. And I think one of the things that we try to do when it comes to rest is we try to rush it. We try to hurry it up. Well, okay, let me, let me rest real quickly, which is an absolute oxymoron. That's not how it works. There's a study that was done that, that looked into the effects of sleep deprivation on the brain. And, and we're not talking about sleep disorders or uh, long-term sleep deprivation. I'm just talking about not getting enough sleep on a daily basis. 
I think the, the norm is eight hours. You should get eight hours of sleep. Uh, you know, I think that the step for teenagers whose brains are developing is that they need up to 10 hours or more of sleep, uh, of sleep. And I think, you know, for so many people that give teenagers a hard time, like, oh, you need to get up. Why are you sleeping in? Well, it's a part of the body's mechanism for their brains to, to, to develop uh, properly. So when we, when we deprive ourselves of sleep, whether you're a teenager or older, uh, here's some of the things that happen. Uh, decreased memory. Uh, sleep is like, to, to use that computer analogy, sleep is like backing up your computer. And that when you don't sleep, you don't remember things as well. And so we have to sleep. Uh, decreased creativity that our creativity lacks when we're tired, when we're not getting enough sleep. Uh, decreased cognition and motor function, just the way that we function throughout our day, just going through the motions and doing the things that we, we do. Uh, probably one of the greatest example is just when you drive tired. Um, they've shown that if you're driving and you're, you're absolutely tired or exhausted, it can be as bad as driving while intoxicated. Um, part of that uh, cognition is just the ability to, to perceive the world around you and to respond to the things that are going on. Uh, impaired judgment. Like we don't, we don't make good decisions. You got, you've probably seen the, the Snickers commercial where, you know, there, there's a person who's all grumpy and, and there's, you know, usually some famous actor or character who's just, you know, snarling at everyone. And then they give the person a Snickers bar and turns out it's not that, that character. It's just their friend. And, you know, the statement is you're not you when you're hungry. Well, you're not you when you're tired. Uh, impaired judgment, uh, low impulse control, higher risk for depression, decreased organ function. You, your, your physical body has, an, has a, a, a response to not having enough sleep. And then emotional volatility, especially when it comes to anger and frustration. And, and let me tell you, this is just sleep. Um, this is not even the point of the message today. This is one aspect of finding, finding place to rest. And we certainly equate rest and sleep together, but rest is so much more. My point here is this, if one aspect of rest is neglected, there are detrimental, there are, there are negative effects. But if we don't take time as the children of God, as the people of God, to rest our souls, not just in, in sleeping enough, but to actually stop work, to actually disconnect, to, 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 to do things that refresh us, to have fun. Imagine that, to have fun, to connect with other people relationally, um, to, to just stop. If we don't do this on a regular basis, it has an effect on us, and it is not a good, it's not a good effect. See, and I'm not just talking about putting your feet up for a few minutes through, you know, throughout the day, that that is good, especially if you're taking that time to connect, connect with the Lord or, or even the idea of taking a vacation, though vacations are great. Uh, but I know for, for many of us, a vacation is just another activity. It's another thing to do. And some people really work at vacation. It's a lot of, it's a lot of energy that's expended, uh, or just taking a day off here and there. I'm talking about a regular rhythm of rest. In the Bible, it's called Sabbath. 
It's called Sabbath. And Sabbath was a gift from God. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Sabbath was a gift from God to us, to his children, to his people. See, Sabbath is about setting limits and embracing the limits of our lives. We can't do it all. You can't do it all. I can't do it all. That we have to recognize that we have limitations. And, And a huge part of that is remembering that because I have limitations, but I serve and I, and I am loved by an unlimited God, it reminds me of who is in control. See, we often view our calendars as something to be filled, not something to be guarded. Let me say that again. We often view our calendars as something to be filled, not something to be guarded. That, that we often look at the gaps in our days as opportunities for meetings or opportunities to do other things, to, to, to accomplish tasks. Uh, I, I doubt there's very many of us uh, who would take our calendar and block out big chunks of time and just put in there rest or do nothing. Because gosh, if someone saw that, if they saw my calendar and saw, wow, you just, you take a whole chunk of a day or you take 24 hours to do, to do nothing, you know, there's those things that start filling our minds like, well, you're, you're lazy, that, you know, that, that there's a slothfulness to you. But you say, no, that's what God has invited me into. And this isn't just a culture issue. It's a church issue. It's, it's a follower of Christ issue. Jesus talked about it. God the Father talks about it in the Old Testament. Sabbath is, rest, is mentioned and the need for rest is mentioned in both the Old and the New Testament from, from cover to cover in the Word of God. This is a major, major focus for the Lord. It is an absolute priority for Him. Uh, A.J. Swoboda wrote a book called Subversive Sabbath. AJ is a pastor, he's a theologian, he's a professor, uh, and, and he wrote this book, um, Subversive Sabbath. The, the subtitle for it is The Surprising Power of Rest in a Nonstop World. And he says this in his book, the result of our Sabbath amnesia, he, he says we've forgotten the Sabbath, we have Sabbath amnesia, The result of our Sabbath amnesia is that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually spiritually malnourished people in history. Church, that's powerful. I'm going to read it again. The result of our Sabbath amnesia is that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnutritioned or malnourished people in history. We need to pay attention to that. That that is a powerful commentary, a powerful statement about the impact of not observing Sabbath in our lives. Maybe this subject of Sabbath is familiar to you. You've heard about it. Maybe you even practice Sabbath in, in your life, in your home. And maybe Sabbath, to, for some of you, is just a word that you've read in the Bible uh, or you've heard around, but have no context for what that means in your life and what that could look like in your life. Maybe equating it even to something negative, something that is, I, I mentioned last week, this word legalism, rules for the sake of rules, just something else you have to do. Oh, I have to, I have to Sabbath. And it just is a, a, a grind or a, a something that, that is equated to the Old Testament law. 
but doesn't have any place in our lives today. But I believe scripture is clear, and even as AJ's quote here points out, that, that the lack of Sabbath, that Sabbath amnesia has led to, in, in many ways, some of our greatest deficiencies, some of our greatest struggles as a people of God. So, already today, this may be challenging you. This may be confronting some assumptions. This may be confronting some things in your own life, and, and that's okay. It's not my goal to, to prod you uh, too aggressively, but I think we need to stop. If there's major gaps in our lives, uh, it, it, takes, uh, it takes some kind of effort for us to be able to recognize that something is missing in church. Something is missing. Something is missing in our lives as the people of God. This idea can really make us squirmy, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable. See, because for so many of us, when we stop, when we rest, when we try to take that time off, even if my physical being stops moving, this is what often happens for me is my brain takes over and my brain just keeps thinking about the to-do list and everything else that I need to get done and all of the stuff I haven't done, get done, gotten done. Um, or, or we start thinking, well, I'll take half a day off. I'll take a quarter of a day off. I'll take a few hours here or there. And we try and work around it. And, and I got to tell you, bef- before we go any further, uh, even though the idea of Sabbath is 24 hours, a 24-hour period of your week where you don't work, you probably, for many of us, we have to build up to it. That that's not just going to happen overnight. You've got to build up to it. But I want to encourage you, don't just write it off either. Sit with that discomfort a little bit. Sit in that and go, why is this uncomfortable for me? Why is it hard for me to think about not working, to stop, to rest for 24 hours? And by the way, when I say work, I'm not talking just about your job. I'm talking about chores. I'm talking about housework. Really, it's doing anything that's not not life-giving, that is more of a grind. Now, some of you uh, may enjoy working in the yard, working in the garden, then then that's great. That that's something that fills you. But if it's something is like, oh, I got to get that done. I got. That is a lack of boundaries for us. And so it's even doing those things in our homes that would be characterized best as work. Here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that you would just open your hearts to receive from the Lord today. And I know we're well into this message already, but this is all the pre-work to really get to the heart of what scripture says. And I want to highlight some of the thing, things that's, that, that God says to us about Sabbath and about rest. So open your hearts to receive from the Lord. Uh, fight the urge to think this. I've already got this figured out, Pastor Barry. I know how to do this. I know, I know how to rest. Would, would you allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and your life and maybe prompt you uh, to a greater degree of rest and connection with Him and those that you care about. Okay, so let's let's dive into some of the biblical imp- aspects or the biblical instruction and the biblical wisdom that comes uh, when, it, when it comes to talking about Sabbath. So first and foremost is this, that Sabbath is biblical. I already mentioned this from the, from the very start of words, God's word to the very end, that Sabbath is biblical. In fact, in Genesis chapter two, verses two and three, and I read this passage on the first Sunday of this, uh, this series, uh, we talked about the fact that God sets 
the example himself. That he sets the example for, example for us right in Genesis chapter 2. This is what it says, Genesis 2, uh, verses 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. On those six days, he did the work of creation. And it's an, an incredible account of, of how he spoke things into, into being, the heavens and the earth and the, and, and the, the land and the, and the sea and the animals. He, he formed and fashioned Adam and then Eve, and he did this work. He made the animals, and, and he created this space that we live in, this, this, uh, this planet and all the surrounding planets and the universes and all or the galaxies and all of that God created in six days, which is amazing in and of itself. But here's the, the, the incredible thing is that after his work, God stopped and he rested. And, and this is what he says, that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. You see, everything else that he had created, he looked at it and he said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. But when he gets to the Sabbath, he says, this day is holy because on it he rested from all the work. That there is something holy about rest. There is something holy about a day of rest and what it declares about who God is in our lives and our, our trust for him. So here we have the example of God himself saying, I'm working for six days and on the seventh day I rest. Later on in Exodus, when the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt and had been there for hundreds of years, God delivers them out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of slavery, miraculously delivers them across the Red Sea and they end up in the desert. And, and in this desert place, God sh starts shaping and forming this people into the people he wants them to be because they learned all kinds of behavior when, when they were in Egypt. And they brought that behavior, they brought that lifestyle. When you've been a slave all your life, when you have lived in subjugation, to someone else, when someone else has been your master and you couldn't make decisions for yourself, you get trained to live a certain way. Well, they come out of Egypt and God has to untrain them and he has to teach them new ways. And one of the, the things that he gives them is Sabbath. And in Exodus chapter 20, verses eight through 11, we find the commandment for Sabbath as it was recorded within the 10 commandments. And I wanna read this for us. So Exodus 20, verses eight through 11, God says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, a reference back to Genesis two. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, you not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, Sabbath day and made it holy. And he starts out this passage, this commandment by saying, remember the Sabbath. Why does he need to use the word remember? Because he knew that they would forget. He knew that we would forget. You use the word remember. Hey, 
honey, when you go to the store, remember to buy milk. Why? Because you're probably going to forget when you get there. I, I know that I've ended up at the store so often and I'm standing there going, I know, I know, I, I, I was convinced I wouldn't forget. And here I am and I'm having to text, hey, babe, what was it that you wanted at the store? We're not good at remembering. We have memory problems. God says to the Israelites, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Remember this holy day, this day that I set apart. Because when you do, you are honoring him. When you do, you are glorifying him. It says that the seventh day is, is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. I want to I put this in plain terms for us. That God worked for six days and then he rested. And a lack of an ability for us to stop for a day and honor the Lord with a Sabbath is to essentially say, just just at a base level, I am better than God, that I know better than him, that I am not under his rulership, that I am my own master and that I can do whatever I want to do. And that there's something of a, a humility that needs to be, not even something of a, we just need to humble ourselves and say, I am not better than God. If God needed to rest, I need to rest. And that might seem kind of even, even harsh or just very clear cut. But I think when it comes to something this important, we just can't beat around the bush. We have to go directly to what the word of God says. And it's so clear. And this was a point of concern for God, for his children and for us. See the 10 commandments were as important today as they were then. Like I said, he gives these commandments to a people who'd come out of slavery. They didn't know any better. And their masters were cruel. The Egyptians were not kind to the Israelites. They beat them. They made them work and produce beyond what they were even able to. And so in the midst of this, this society that was so broken down, the Israelites had been, had been brought up, had been taught to think a certain way about themselves. They had no rest. It was taken from them. And so in this, as a new, as a part of their new identity, God says, you need to rest. This is, this is the, the, the key here. That rest is one of the ways that God helps us break free from slavery. That learning to rest is one of the ways that we learn to be free. Now, we're not slaves to Egypt, but I got to tell you, there are things that master and have mastery in our lives. God delivers the children of Israel because he has love and compassion for his people, that he has a plan for us. And God brings deliverance in our lives because he has love and he has compassion. But here's the, here's the truth, is that we become slaves to whatever has mastered us. We become slaves to whatever has mastered us, whether that's work, whether that's a hobby, whether that's a lifestyle, whether that's just a way of thinking. We become slaves to whatever has mastered us. God is saying, I want to be your Lord. I want to be the one who guards those places. Jesus tells us in John 10, 10, that Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. It is his, it is his goal to suck the life out of our lives, to take away those things that are most valuable. And I believe one of his tactics is to just to get us to go, go, go. 
for us to perform, to say that you, if you stop, it shows that you're not, you're not as worthy. If you don't work harder and, and you hear the echo of the culture in this, if you want to get ahead, you've got to be better than the next person. You've got to perform better. You've got to push harder. You've got, and, and, and hear my heart in this. God tells us that we need to work diligently. But I know this in my life, and I pray that you capture this in your life, that we don't get ahead on our own merit. It's only when we surrender our lives to the Lord and walk in step with what he has. See, I can go a hundred miles uh, in my own strength, but if the Lord is then not directing me, I've gone a hundred miles in the wrong direction. And I would rather go 10 miles with Jesus than a hundred miles on my own. Sabbath gives place for me to stop and say, I'm not in control of my life. God is, and I need to hear what he has. Why? Because it helps me to break free from the slavery, from the mastery of the things that would want to come in and take control of my life. This is why this is so critical. See, Sabbath is not just about kicking your feet up and taking a break. It's about remembering that God has delivered us, that God is in control, that he has our best interests at mind, and that he has created space for us to connect with him. See, our tendency is this, and it was the same for the children of Israel. They started longing for the things of slavery. They started longing for the comfort and security that came by being told what to do. With, and they forgot the pain. So we have a tendency to fall back into slavery and think that it's normal. We have a tendency to fall back into work habits with no rest and think that it's normal or even worse to be celebrated. I read books about leaders and, and people who are quote unquote successful, who, who work seven days a week and say, this is the key to their success. But when you drill a little bit deeper and you look into their lives, you realize it's a mess. There's, their relationships are a mess. Things are falling apart. It's not normal. It's very broken. We need rest. So God tells them, remember. He tells us, don't remember. It's no coincidence that the fourth commandment, the, the Sabbath commandment is the longest of all of the commandments. God is making a point. He gives more instruction about the Sabbath than he did about anything else because he knew we would struggle with it. Church, we've forgotten the Sabbath. We've, we've made it something that is, is to be relegated to some ancient, outdated religious activity, but it's not. God worked, but God also rested. And so we need to reclaim this rhythm of work and rest, a rhythm that, like I've said already, is so often missing from our lives. Before I go on, though, I need to say this. This doesn't mean it's just a mandated routine. Because we could take this and, and make Sabbath something that we beat people over the head with. It can even become a point of shame in our own lives. And God doesn't shame us. He calls us into a loving, deeper relationship with him. In fact, Jesus was confronted with this with the Pharisees because in Mark chapter 2, there's an account of Jesus as he was going about on the Sabbath day. Uh, and, and in the Jewish culture, 
And in their religion, Sabbath was, you weren't allowed to walk a certain distance. You weren't allowed to do certain activities. In fact, if you ever travel to Israel, it's amazing is on the Sabbath day, everything shuts down. It is completely quiet and, and almost eerily so. I remember growing up in, in my hometown that so often, uh, you know, on Sundays, everything was shut down. The hardware store was closed. Like you could go maybe to a, a corner, a corner store and get a loaf of bread, but grocery stores closed, everything shut down. And, and so much more so even in Israel, there was just this everything stopped. And it was like that in Jesus's day. On the Sabbath, there was very strict rules about what could and couldn't be done. And so Jesus on the Sabbath is walking by a man that is, is, uh, is lame and he heals him. He heals this, this man and, and the, 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 the Pharisees come unglued and they start saying, what are you doing? You're, that's work. They don't celebrate the healing they look at the point of transgression or they, the point where Jesus didn't obey the law. And so this is, this is the balance for us uh, when it comes to this idea of legalism. See, Jesus had compassion on a man and healed him, which was considered work by the Pharisees. And this is his response in Mark two twenty seven. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. And, th- and this is the, the thought from God. This is the gift from God to us that, that is a reminder that Sabbath is something to be delighted in. Something is something, Sabbath is something for us to enjoy in the presence of God, not to just make it about the, the, the rules and, and the law, because that can do the very opposite. It can suck the life out of it that we set apart Sabbath as a gift. It is for you. It is for me. It is a gift of God, from God to you. And so my encouragement would be this. Make the most of the gift. Embrace the gift. Embrace the gift of Sabbath. I want to give a couple of practical things that you can do. What can Sabbath look like in a modern context in your home? Well, I'd say three things. First is this, pick a day. Pick a day of the week that works best for you. Now, in my home, there's six of us, and uh, I've got two high schoolers. I've got one in college, and one is a college graduate. Um, we, we work. We have different work schedules. My, my kids uh, have jobs that often require them to work on the weekends. And so sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to say on this day, everyone is going to rest. And so we find what's, we'll look at our weeks as much as we can. We're going, hey, what's going to work for us this week? But Megan and I have realized that, you know what, for the two of us, because our kids are a little bit older, their rhythms are maybe not always in sync with ours. But even for us, even in preparing for this message, we had to stop and go, okay, when is Sabbath? When is Sabbath? Because I, I work, I work outside of church. I, I have another job. And so I work all through the week. Uh, and then I'm, I'm preaching and I'm, I'm doing things on the weekend that are church related and, and, and our, our work. And so the question for us is when, when do we stop? Megan has a job as well. And so we have to align, we have to look at our calendars. And so we're, uh, it's not that we've got this figured out, church. We're in the midst of saying, what does this look like for us? And because our kids are in that season of life, we're talking about what's the best day for us to have a Sabbath, to have a plan, and to agree with each other. I'd say this, agree. If, you have, uh, if you're single, 
pick that day or maybe align it with some other friends or other family members and say, what's a good day that I could be, I could have Sabbath rest, find other people that you can connect with. Um, if your kids are younger, there's a little bit more control. Agree with your spouse and say, we're going to take this day, whether it's a Saturday from Friday night to Saturday night or Saturday night to Sunday night or, or just uh, one, one day from, from morning till night, you say, I'm, we're going to set this time aside. But pick a day and have a plan. And I'd say set it aside. Calendar it out. Put it in your calendar and say, this day is Sabbath, that this is... We, we, we're not going to go do other things. We're going we're gonna to mark this day out to be a day of rest. And I would say this, guard it, guard it. Because I know this for a fact, the second that you decide we're going to practice Sabbath in our home, that we're going to set aside a day of rest, that there will be every other thing that you can imagine that will try and invade that space and this is about us embracing limits and learning to say no. We're not good at that. We need to learn to say no and say no. This is a, this is a time that is sacred. And we listen to me, we don't get weird about it. We don't get mean about it. But we definitely draw clear limits. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, I, I, I can't go and do that. I can't be a part of that. Um, now, again, do things that are life-giving. If you like to go fishing, go fishing. If you like to go to the beach, go to the beach. If you want to go watch a movie or ride a bike or whatever that looks like, whatever is filling and life-giving for you, go for it. But make sure it's something that fills your soul, that gives you place. And here's finally three things that I want to just mention that really should be a part of our Sabbath keeping. That it's not a Sabbath uh, if really if these elements are not a part of it. The first would be this, time with God. Now, one of the things that marks Sabbath is worship. One of the marks of Sabbath is worship. It's being with God. It's being refreshed in his presence. We read this uh, just last week, Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Rather, it was a couple of weeks ago. Be still and know that I am God. It's to be in his presence, to become more aware of who God is, to take that time to, to hear from him. Uh, being with God, what it does is it centers our souls, it centers our lives, it reminds us of his goodness, of his promises, of his love. It reminds us that he is God and we are not. And it's in that place that we're able to trust him as we let go, as we release control of our lives. Jesus said it this way in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is the same passage. This is the same chapter in which Jesus talked about the, the desire of the enemy to come and steal and kill and destroy. And he used the picture of uh, one who would come into the sheep pen and seek to destroy, to steal those sheep or to, to take their lives. But Jesus says as the great shepherd that his sheep, that we would know his voice, but we have to slow down. We have to create space to know his voice. And then even Isaiah in Isaiah 58 uh, verses 13 and 14 says this, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, there it is again, the holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight 
and the Lord's holy day honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will be filled with, uh, you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What an amazing promise from Isaiah, speaking the heart of God to the people. Don't go your own way. Don't do your own thing. Honor the Lord. And when you do, you will find your joy in the Lord. Beautiful promise for us, church. So connect with God. Find time to be with God, to worship, to be in his presence on the Sabbath. The second is this, find time for relationships, whether that's family or friends. Make sure that there's place for connection. And I know in my life, and it's probably the same in yours, it's like this in my home, and it's probably the way in yours. But technology has really taken over. And we have so many devices, whether it's a computer or a phone or a TV or a tablet or whatever that is. And at any given point, there's multiple people in our home that are on a device. But there are ways for us to connect. One of the greatest ways to connect is to eat a meal together. And this is one of the things that marked the Sabbath for, for the Jewish people, for the Israelites, and even for the Jewish people today. It was a day to eat. And, and maybe just as an idea, maybe in your home, you take Sabbath and go, hey, let's cook a meal we've never cooked. Let's be adventurous. Let's, adventurous. let's find a meal that we want to create, get everyone involved in the kitchen, teaching people to cook who've maybe never cooked before, and then sitting down at the table and sharing that meal together, choosing to maybe leave the devices in another part of the house so that even for an hour you can say, we're together, we're across the table, and we're fellowshipping, and we're communing together face to face. See, our culture often puts uh, a greater value on work and productivity than it does on family. So often the case. We have to flip that around. See, when we put work ahead of family and, and friends and those that we care about, it sends a clear message. It says that you're not as important. We have to work to reaffirm to reaffirm that value. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. Again, this is God instructing the Israelites in how they should live and how should they, this should be walked out in, in, their, in their nation, in this newly formed people who were no longer slaves. It says these, he says this to them, these commands, commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You hear the heart of God here for those that are older, that you would bear that responsibility to take these commandments, including the commandment of the Sabbath, and that you would teach them to your children, that it would first be on your heart. And then you would talk to them about it, that you would find places that you would make places, whether it was at home or on the road or when you're lying down or when you're getting up, that you would find these places to talk about the goodness of God in your lives that we bear a responsibility, especially as parents to children, but even with each other, to be able to bring that to bear. Proverbs 22, 6, uh, the writer of Proverbs says here, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. A great reminder of that important role that we have in investing in the children 
that God has given us and those that even in our lives. But again, not just for kids, for all of us. That Sabbath is a time for relationships, for deepening relationships. And especially as restrictions start lifting and we're able to gather more, I think there will be a sweetness to this. And the opportunity here for us, church, is not to just go back to the way things were, but to really savor those relationships. And then finally is this, a time to play that we would set a time to play, that the Sabbath was made for man and there is room to play, to recreate, recreation, to recreate, to, to, to be filled up. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, a cheerful heart is, a good, is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine. That, that laughter and enjoyment and doing things that are just fun, are, are things that will, will bring healing and refreshing in our lives. So the question would be this, what fills you? What is fun for you? What, what makes you laugh? What are things that fill you with joy? What are things that your family love to do together? Maybe you, new things that you can discover to do together. I know one family, that, that part of their tradition is every Sabbath, their Sabbath is Saturday, and every Saturday morning, dad takes the kids and they drive down the road and they get donuts. And then they head back home and they enjoy donuts together. It's actually a, a wonderful tradition. In fact, it's in line with uh, a, a Hebrew tradition, a Jewish tradition, where very often the father on the Sabbath day would give each of the children a, spoon of, a spoonful of honey. And, and the, the idea would be that their senses, their, their taste buds would associate the Sabbath with something sweet something life-giving. And it just is a, a great picture of God's heart behind the Sabbath. But what, what do you enjoy? What's a, a routine or some, a, a rhythm that you can get rather that would just be something fun for you to do? Church, I know I've gone a little bit longer today, but I feel like this is really a subject we can't miss. And I didn't want to split this up into a couple of messages. So thanks for hanging in there with me today. I, I pray that your hearts have been encouraged. I've I got to tell you, I am just scratching the surface. There is so much more that we, we could talk about uh, when it comes to Sabbath that we, we need to talk about when it comes to Sabbath. And really, there's not enough Sundays to, to cover it all. So I want to give you a couple of resources as we close today. Um, I would say first is this. Go to the Word of God. Do a little search, in the, in, in, you know, maybe online or in, in Bible study tools or one of those websites and, and look up the word Sabbath and see how often God talks about Sabbath or, or talks about rest. But a couple of other books that I would suggest that you would read. I, I have one of them here. It's called 24-6 uh, by a man named Matthew Sleeth. Uh, a great resource. It's a great read. Talks about the importance of Sabbath. Uh, he says it's a prescription for a healthier, happier life. Uh, and then another book I referenced and I quoted earlier by A.J. Swoboda, uh, Subzer Subversive Sabbath. Uh, the links uh, for where you can find those, I'm just linking them to Amazon, but they're avail widely a available. Um, check those out. Read those books. Get the Audible book. Um, but but press into this little this a little bit more and and I would encourage you this week even today as this message closes would you take a few minutes would you talk with those in your household uh, if you're married talk with your spouse and and maybe set a time to say hey when are we going to have a conversation about where we can rest more I'll close with this for those of you that are just feeling worn out and even this message today 
is maybe touching on a deep place, a place that you would even feel a sense of grieving over the, the tiredness that you feel. I want to say this. God wants to encourage you. He wants to fill you with joy. Please don't receive this message as a harsh rebuke, but as a loving invitation to meet Jesus, to set and restore a rhythm of rest, of Sabbath rest, so that God could impart something to you. Let me pray for us as we close. Jesus, I thank you that you modeled for us what it looked like to rest. Lord, that you didn't uh, that, that even though you healed someone on this Sabbath, Lord, that you it painted that picture for us, that reminder that, that it's not just about the legalism and about the, the rules, but there's a freedom that, that the Sabbath is for us, that it is a gift from God to us. And I pray that we would receive the gift. Help us, Lord, to recognize those places where the computer is broken, where the operating system isn't working, where our souls are damaged, Lord, and help us to set aside time for Sabbath rest so that we could be made whole. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have an amazing week. You are absolutely loved. Uh, Invite someone to join you uh, for service next time. We look forward to seeing you. God bless you.